Welcome to season three of Outstanding Women Leaders, Witty and Wise Conversations. I'm your host, Katie L. Leeds, founder and chief OWL at Outstanding Women Leaders, OWL Professional Coaching, an organization dedicated to empowering women to rewrite their story, reconnect to fulfillment and joy. OWL is on a mission to host 100 million witty and wise conversations that disrupt the way leaders think and inspire you to disrupt business as usual in your brain. Today, we have four rules for our conversation. Rule number one, nobody gets to be wrong. Rule number two, nobody gets to be right. And rule number three, everybody gets to be vulnerable. Rule number four is my favorite. Everything is included. We do not edit here. This conversation is exactly what it needs to be in this moment in time. We've asked our guests to join us via video to allow us to create authentic connection. Eyes are the window to the soul. You will be seen here. You will be heard there is space for you. When this conversation comes to a close, I will ask our guests three questions. If you've tuned in before, you know what they are. And if you haven't, you don't want to miss them. But enough about me. Today, I am excited to welcome outstanding woman leader, Ashley Jablo. I hope I said your last name right. Pretty close. Pretty close. Jablo. Jablo. Welcome. <laughs> Ashley believes life's too short to do work you hate. As CEO of Wayfinders Collective, Ashley helps you get clear and take action to put yourself first, rediscover your unique gifts, and create the career and life of your dreams, not anybody else's. In 2017, Ashley was laid off and experienced firsthand the urgency that comes from feeling misaligned in your work life. Leveraging her previous experience in design thinking and innovation, Ashley set out to redesign her career using the same methods and mindsets that she'd used with corporate and public sector clients for years. Almost five years later, Ashley's built a thriving career for herself, and she's ready to help you do the same. Uh, Ashley, welcome. I'm so excited to learn more about design thinking um, and how we can, your signature program, what comes next, get unstuck and design a career you love for 12 week coaching and learning experience to take bold aligned action and redesign your work life using design thinking. But before we jump in there, professional and life pivots. 2017 was before the COVID. The world currently is in professional and life pivots. Share your journey with us because you have a lot of experience. You've carved this path for us forward. Yeah. Oh, well, Katie, it's such a treat to be here. Such a pleasure. I'm so thrilled to be able to share my story and what I've learned along the way um, with all of our listeners today. Um, so, yeah, I have kind of built the latest iteration of my career all around the pivot, actually. Um, so maybe it makes sense to start with what life looked like before the pivot, right? Yeah. So, and actually, as I was thinking about preparing today, I was thinking about outstanding women leaders. And I actually um, had a very formative experience very early on um, as, a, as a young woman, um, going to an all-girls school for seven years. So I went sixth grade through 12, um, working, living, being in a community, studying in a community, all, all women. In fact, I remember when I first went to my, it was like my first psychology 101 lecture at the University of Michigan, where I went to college and looking around and being like, there are boys here? Like that, I, you know, because I've, I've spent so many formative years really only around women and really was 
um, kind of imprinted in a very um, important way, an early way that um, if I, that I could be anyone and anything I wanted. Um, and kind of implicit in that was that um, I should be ambitious. I should be achievement oriented. And in fact, that um, I had an obligation to lead myself, my career, my impact as far as I possibly could take it. And I remember really internalizing this, this notion of, you know, if you don't want to be the first woman president of the United States, then there's actually something wrong with you, right? So the beginning of my career, not to mention all of my education, was really about, I've got to go out and get the biggest, baddest job I can find. I've got to go to the best schools. I have to be affiliated with the best brand names. And you know, it's funny, in hindsight, at the time, I thought it was just really about this is a value that's really important to me. Like, I want to achieve. I'm driven to be successful. I now look back on it and I say, how much of that was my own belief and how much of that was the culture that I was raised in? And again, that imprint that was left on me. But in any case, um, that really is the story of the beginning of my career. I, uh, I've always been very mission-driven. So I worked in nonprofits and the social impact sector for, for the majority, like the, I'd say the first five years of my career, I worked in, um, in nonprofit fundraising. Uh, I decided to go to business school because I looked around and saw lots of smart friends doing the exact same thing. And I thought, well, I've always been a liberal arts gal. Like I should go almost toughen myself up a little bit. I should go crunch those numbers and getting to business school will make me a, a professional with air quotes, right? So I went to business school. I learned very quickly that <laughs> that was probably not the right choice for me. Um, but again, I was really um, leaning towards that side of my, of myself that said this credential will make me um, uh, even more successful, right? This credential will signal that I'm, you know, the best of the best, so to speak. Um, and so even after business school, I, I still continue to chase, again, the brand names, the organizations. I've had the opportunity, really fortunate opportunity to work with some incredible organizations, world-renowned organizations. Um, you know, some of the, the premier design and innovation organizations in the world I had a chance to work at the White House. At one point, my title was Presidential Innovation Fellow, right? I mean, it's pretty rare to have the word presidential in your title alone. Um, so I have been very fortunate that uh, over the course of my early career, I was very achievement oriented and I achieved a lot of things. I really was successful by most external measures and as I moved further in my career, I started to feel more and more uh, a disconnect, a, a widening gap between who I was at work and who I was as a person. And it was around the time I was working at the White House where I said I was actually a new, new mother um, and really starting to feel like this, this uh, misalignment between my work life and my real life was really taking a toll. And that's what led me to starting to work with my first coach, which was a transformative experience. And it's what led me to in kind of land what I thought at the time was my dream job. 
I'm working for a design firm in the private sector. I left government um, and I started a new office for this, this European firm. And all went really well for the first six to nine months or so. I thought like I've arrived, you know, like I'm an executive in Washington, DC and I travel internationally. I mean, gosh, kind of roll my eyes now at the thought of it. But at the time I really felt like I was at the top of my game. And um, very unexpectedly, a little less than a year into the role, I got laid off. And I certainly had never been laid off before. I'd been unemployed before, but always of my own choosing. And uh, as you can imagine, that kind of rug getting pulled out from underneath you um, is a really sobering experience. It's a really humbling experience and it's also really frightening. And um, I, as I was kind of wading through all of those feelings and frankly, just like applying to any job I could find because I just wanted to make sure I had some money, right? Um, I also had this kind of inner knowing this uh, like little teeny tiny voice that was saying to me, Ashley, there's an opportunity here. And I had no idea what the opportunity was, um, but I decided to investigate it. And I can talk more about kind of what happened and how I went about that. But that was really, you know, like a pivotal moment in completely blowing everything up and starting, starting fresh. Um, mm where I am today. So, yeah. Yeah. The, the ego definitely takes a, a hit anytime there's a layoff, a firing, whatever that is, it can be a really challenging, particularly for women, um, where I think for us, we really take so much to heart. It feels almost personal <laughs> when we are no, and our identity also can feel like it's at risk when we lose our position, particularly if you've been working for that position your whole life. And, I love the imagery that you said of, I have arrived <laughs> and you laugh, but I'm like, man, that sounds like I would have arrived. I'm international traveling. I got a fancy title. I remember my own personal moment where I also felt like I have arrived and something was missing. How did you, so how do you decide to listen to that voice? You know, what gave you the courage to step into this opportunity and make the full not just a professional pivot, but a life pivot too. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I look back now and I think, boy, I had no idea how brave I was being. <laughs> right. Um, at the time, I think I thought I was kind of following my nose. And I think I, and by that, I mean, like, I, I didn't immediately blow everything up. Um, I, I got curious about if I've only been going in this one direction my whole career, what would happen if I just flirted with like looking left or looking right? And I actually was very, very lucky that the work I had been doing up to that point, uh, little did I know was going to become really my toolkit for being brave and for trying things and for designing what the next professional chapter would look like. Um, so I've worked in the world of design thinking and innovation for over a decade now. And, uh, you know, companies, organizations, philanthropies, 
governments, um, many of them turn to a, a method for creative problem solving and idea generation called design thinking. And my, my work was helping them use these methods and mindsets to innovate in their work. And so when I was laid off, again, I went down one path and said, I just got to apply to jobs. I just got to like keep those cover letters and resumes moving. And at the same time, I, I really took a moment and looked inward and said, well, I happen to have all these tools in my toolkit. And what would happen if I turned them on myself? And I gave myself the space to be curious and get inspired by what's happening out in the world, right? One of the tenets of design thinking is getting out from in front of your computer and being out in the world and learning from people and discovering what, what, what it looks like outside of your frame of reference, right? So I started asking myself, what's inspiring me? What, what's making me feel energized or filled up? And is there a kernel of something there for me, right? I started to get clear on my point of view for what I wanted work to look like within my whole life, right? Another element of design thinking is defining what, what's the point of view, what's the problem? And then by kind of transition, what's the opportunity here, right? So all the ways where I felt like I was out of control working for someone else. Like I didn't have a say in when I wanted to work or how I wanted to work. I thought, well, wait a minute. Actually, I want to be in, in control of my own schedule. I want to be able to, to decide who I work with and how I work with them, right? So I took time to, to begin to define that. And then I thought, well, you know, I, I am my own user in this example. I'm designing for myself. What are the ideas that I have right out of the gate? Do I have any ideas for what I might do that's not going down the path that I'm already, you know, that I've been on? And then how can I prototype? How can I iterate on those ideas? Even do one tiny thing to try to bring this idea to life and see what I learned through that experiment. Mm, this is where I want to like, just dive in because I am dying to know how does someone prototype? I am the, uh, the opposite of you where I did not go to business school, but would have loved to have gone to business school. I just opened a business instead. And, <laughs> and like, right, it was a fabulous education. Um, but I don't have a formal process for how that happens. And what I found how that holds you back is what got me there. Isn't going to get me to this next place. So how, you know, so if I'm sitting an audience listener, right. I'm like, Oh, I have an idea. What do you do to start prototyping the idea? Yes. Oh, I love that question. So, um, I, and, and I, again, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit because like younger me would have been mortified by the thought of putting something out into the world without it being absolutely perfect across all dimensions. Um, I am definitely a recovering perfectionist. I love to have everything like really polished and well put together and well thought out and well justified all the things, right? And what I have learned over the years is um, perfectionism stops us from making any progress at all. Um, and it's sort of, for me, it became, um, do I wanna stay still and, and, and wait for it to be perfect? Or do I want to just get going? 
And for me, you know, when I was unemployed, when I was curious about what I might design for myself, I, I felt the urgency of needing to get going, right? And so prototyping is a powerful way to just get started in service of learning, uh, learning what works, learning what doesn't work, uh, and, and helping you learn what you should do next. So when I teach prototyping, what I like to do is start with what is a definition of a prototype? Because it could have any number of meanings. Sometimes, you know, in the, in the design world, like, like web design, people will say a wireframe, you know, a mock-up of what a web page looks like. That's a prototype. Sure. Um, a cardboard diorama of how you want to lay out a physical space. That could be a prototype. What I love to think about for a prototype is it's, it's um, really like a first attempt in learning something, which by the way, first attempt in learning stands for fail, right? Um, which is kind of a fun way to reframe failure. And that happens when we're prototyping. Sometimes it, it goes south for sure. But when I begin to design a prototype, the question I always like to ask is, what is the smallest, fastest, cheapest thing that I can do or try right now to learn the most. Okay, so I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, if you want to, like say you have a job and you're not very happy and deep down you've always had a desire to um, open up a pastry shop. I don't know, just as an example, right? Rather than like waiting until you hate your job so much that you walk into your boss's office, you say, I quit and you sign up for like a year long pastry course in France, right? Although that sounds amazing. There are ways that you can prototype that to begin to learn, is this actually what I want? Is this actually leading me in the direction of something that's more fulfilling, more meaningful, just more aligned with how I want to work and spend my time, right? So a couple of examples. Um, you could buy a pastry, like a baking cookbook and take it home and say for 30 days, I'm going to bake 30 recipes out of this. That could be a prototype, right? A prototype could be, I'm going to take, um, an evening baking class to see like, do I, do I like being told how to bake or do I want to actually just play with it myself? Right. I mean, for having um, lived with and um, very close to people who have worked in the culinary world, I think a great prototype would be, can I stand on my feet for 12 hours, right? Like I'm just gonna go see, I'm gonna volunteer at a food event and see if I can stand on my feet for that long. There are tons of different ways to experiment through a prototype that will help you then learn, okay, so I took that pastry making class and actually I'm not sure that I loved it or I loved making brownies, but I didn't like making donuts or whatever it is, right? You will learn. And the point of learning is to help you see what's next. It's not to solve everything, mm. right? I, I like to think of it, you know, we think about achievement or growth as like climbing the mountain. And once I'm at the top of the mountain, I've, I can check it off the list. The reality is once you get to the top of the mountain, you can see all the other mountains that you want to climb, right? And prototyping is very similar. Once you try the first thing, you'll be able to see from there, what is the next thing 
that I can try. And what's cool about that, the last thing I'll share is that the more you prototype, the more you build confidence and trust in yourself that you're making this decision um, in a way that's good for you, right? You're building confidence in yourself that you can take this idea forward and trust that like, you know what's best because you're learning, you're the one experiencing this. So prototyping moves you forward physically, tangibly, but also from a clarity and confidence place as well. Mm, so prototype doesn't sound like the big fancy scary word that it did initially when you said it. I was like, oh, there's going to be a whole thing and it's going to be what you're basically describing is jumping, taking that first leap of faith into something and then reflecting on it. And I really, I love that you're the point of learning is to help you see what's next. We don't, um, we don't teach that at school. No, we don't. don't. The point of learning is to get the A and to get the salary and the job and the titles. What do you mean the point of learning is to help you see what's next? So I've got my prototype. I'm at the top of the mountain. Now what do I do? (laughs) Well, the, the power of having a prototype is in the actual execution and the test of it. So uh, I want to be clear. It's one thing to come up with like how I can prototype this. Like I could take a baking course or I could stand on my feet for a long time. That where the prototype really um, delivers value and delivers on its promise is by actually doing the thing. So it may be that your prototype is something you need to do. Right. And then the reflection that comes in next is, well, how did that go? What was great about it? What didn't I like about it? What opportunities might there be for for my next prototype? Right. Um, Sometimes the prototype is putting it in front of someone else to get their feedback. So I think a, a great example is if you're thinking about going to grad school and you are likely um, not you specifically, but just you generally, right? Um, any of us who decides to go to grad school, we're probably not the only stakeholder that um, would, would be impacted by the decision to go to grad school, right? Um, I think about when my husband and I were dating and I went to him and I said, I think I'm going to go to Boston for business school. Like, do you want to come with me? Right. Um, and uh, so, Sometimes the the power of the prototype is helping you have the conversations with people. Like you can prototype a conversation. You could write out a script that says, this is how I want to take this person through my reasoning, my idea, how it impacts them. And then, you know, the next step, of course, is actually having that conversation. And through the test itself, you're going to get new information about what comes next. Um, So it's a little hard to say exactly, you know, here is always do this. Um, If if we were to follow a true design thinking approach, it would probably um, take us back to more discovery, more learning, more inspiration, right? You were prototyping culinary school or, or pastry school and you said, I'm not sure that that's what I want. Let me go back now and research um, other options for working with food, perhaps. And then I'm going to design another prototype for, for that, right? So it's very iterative. It's very cyclical. And one prototype builds on another over time. Mm, thank you for that clarity. And so you 
we're prototyping. Uh, walk us through, how do you go from prototyping to the Wayfinders Collective? You got it. Yeah. So, so what I did back in that summer of 2017 was design a 60 day sprint, what we, we call sprint in the design world or the startup world, 60 day sprint to redesign my life, which at the time felt like totally realistic and normal. And now I'm just like, oh my gosh, of course. It's like that expression, you know, um, we make a plan and the universe laughs. Like, of course, I didn't figure this out in 60 days. However, I did go through a design thinking process using my own methods and tools, also taking in a lot of learning. And I got to a point where, again, through that iterative uh, exploration and testing and trialing, I was in a completely different place by the end of that summer than I was when I first started. Um, and I'll never forget, I was on a, a red-eye flight coming back from Portland, Oregon to Washington, D.C., where I lived, and, um, and, and kind of the, you know, realizing like, oh, man, I set out this plan for myself. I thought I would have it all figured out by the end of the summer. It's the end of the summer, and I don't feel any closer to actually having clarity, Right. And um, I may have told you this before, but you know, when you're on a red eye flight, there are only two options. You're either asleep uh, <laughs> or you're awake and you're angry that you're not sleeping. Right? So I was definitely angry and awake and just thought, you know, what am I supposed to do now? How do I move this forward? I had a deadline and it, I, I didn't meet it. Right. And out of the blue, just sitting there in the dark, the phrase creative wayfinding came to me, just popped into my head. I wrote it down in the dark in a notebook. Like I want to remember it. And I remember thinking, you know, that's actually what I'm doing. Like when you think about wayfinding on a map or on the open ocean, even we use uh, the, the tides, we use the wind, we use the, the moon and the stars, right. To help us find our way. And what I came to was realizing that I'm using the tools that I have uh, to navigate this moment of, of transition in my career and my life. I'm doing that with the creative tools that I have in my toolkit. And, and that's where I'm at. Like I it just got to this point where I was just super peaceful about it. And in fact, what it then converted into was realizing that the journey I was on was actually one of the most universal human experiences we're all on all the time. We are all creative wayfinders. And so I walked off that plane, not having slept a wink, but super energized and with this name, Wayfinders Collective in my head. And even then I didn't know what I was creating. And I look back five years now and I think, this is even better than I could have designed five years ago. I mean, I love the work that I do. I'm, I'm so fortunate to, to get to do this. And it's by design. And every six months or so in my business, yeah, I have iterated. I have evolved it. You know, it started out with taking on a couple freelance projects. Again, because I, I knew going back and getting a job like the one I had before was not it was not the direction I wanted to go in. But started with freelancing. Like I think about it as like proving the business model of Ashley. That was the beginning of, of my, my work. Um, you know, and then 
my body started a business. I opened a bank account. I set up an LLC. And then maybe a year later, my brain caught up and I was like, oh my gosh, I started a business. What do I want it to be? Right. So I gave myself permission to not have it all figured out in, in one instant. And, and not only did I give myself permission to not know, but I look back and I think there's no way I could have known how great it would be. There's no way I could have in that moment designed what it actually looks like now. And so leaving some, some things up to chance, leaving some things up to uh, evolution, I think is really hard for many of us high achievers, um, for many of us who like structure and who like to know what we're doing and know that's going to work, right? It's, it's unstable ground. Um, and it's better than I would have expected had I tried to design it all from day one. Mm. Yeah, I, I often hear the um, like question when I'm designing with people is like, well, how much do you want to do you want to make? Like, where do you envision this being in five years? And I think about my first business, like if I had had tried to put together a vision for what that looked like, uh, I would have never had launched an international fundraiser for the Special Olympics. I would have never built a facility from the ground up because like those just weren't things that were anywhere in my thinking, my thinking was about the community I was building. It was about the pro- the service I was delivering. It was about the relationships that we're creating. And from there, you know, all of these other possibilities um, came to be. If I may share um, one tip or one resource that um, listeners might, might enjoy and appreciate, one of the things when I was first going through the experience of getting laid off um, and exploring what it would look like and mean to me to update my story and really my identity. So I'd spent the first 10 plus years of my career doing one thing and, and being really successful at it. And even when I was able to sort of change paths generally, I was always working for someone else. I was, you know, I I had a certain kind of groove I was in and getting laid off really challenged me because I thought, how am I ever going to explain this? How am I ever going to make sense of this? Can I even share this publicly with anyone? Right? Like, how do I spin this? And when I was in that summer, I did a lot of walking. (laughs) I did a lot of thinking. I did a lot of listening and reading. So I would take, you know, put a podcast in my ears and hit the road, like five hours later, come back like, okay, I think I can go on with my day. Um, And one of the interviews that I listened to was uh, with an author named Nilifer Merchant. And she's a super interesting and influential thinker and innovator. She has an amazing life story. And she's written a book called The Power of Onlyness. And honestly, I'm like, I'm like her, her number one fan because this book was so powerful for me and so informative in this moment. And the whole book is about how um, each of us can bring um, our unique talents and gifts to bear to, to bring the ideas that the movements that we want to create even to life. And so the whole book is a great read, but the notion of onlyness, it's like the first third of the book even 
you know, she talks about onlyness as being um, the unique combination of, of history, experiences, visions, and dreams that each of us has. And I kind of think about it like a thumbprint, like my thumbprint is unique to yours, right? And because of my onlyness and because of your onlyness, even if we have the exact same idea, we're going to bring it to life differently. And, and I found that to be so powerful because, well, first the notion of onlyness, like, wait, you mean it's because I got laid off that I have even more to add here? I have an even more authentic contribution to, to share with the world, right? Um, and then the notion that like, wait, because of my story and because of the fact that I've had this thing happen to me that I felt really ashamed about, actually that's like the linchpin that enables me to open up the impact that I wanna have. It's because I've been through this experience that I can now help other people go through it, right? And so I would really first go buy the book. I, like, I don't get paid for that, but I think it's a great read. And then consider what is your onlyness and, and what are the parts of your story that, or your history that you, you don't bring to bear, that you don't bring to work, you don't bring to your personal life. And how might actually bringing those parts of you into your day-to-day, -day, how might that add even more, you know, and, and create even more impact? Um, that was really formative for me, really, really powerful to start owning that part of myself. Um, purposefully, purposefully. Yeah. I love the intention behind everything that you do and everything that you bring to life. I sometimes beat myself up for like not having intention when the reality is that my intention is just not in a notebook written down and like necessarily clear, but my intentions are always pretty obvious. Like my, <laughs> I love the, um, the left brainness almost that you bring to the, to the human design of, of creating your own way and carving your own path. It's so unique. And it sounds like, like I was like, Ooh, design thinking innovation. I have no idea what this is prototyping. Like, I don't know what that is. You really are. You're able to bring it to life for the, the right brain folks like myself that are that are needing a little bit more of the structure and the clarity around that. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you, Katie. And if I may, just as a reflection back, I think your intention for, for your impact and for the work you want to do, I think it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty front and center. So you may not have it like, uh, you know, enshrined in a plaque, but it's definitely guiding you. Mm, thank you. Uh, as we wrap up today, Ashley, uh, where can people find you, connect with you, and what do you have going on that they can get involved in? Yeah, so um, you can definitely find my work at wayfinderscollective.com. I'm also very active on LinkedIn. So please feel free to follow me there, connect with me there. I would love to learn more about you and the pivot you're navigating right now, perhaps. Um, and I coach women one-on-one, -on -one, um, but I also have a, a group coaching program called What Comes Next, Get Unstuck and Design a Career You Love. You mentioned it earlier, Katie. I'm going to be opening enrollment in September, and it's a really great program for anyone who is eager to take 12 weeks to learn the really proven methods and mindsets of design thinking 
and apply them to creating tangible change in their work lives. So if you are grappling with a question like, I'm unhappy in my job and I'm not quite sure what's next, that's a great question to tackle. Could also be, it's time for me to get a promotion and I need to come up with a plan for how to do that. It's also a great program for that. So you can go to my website, wayfinderscollective.com and learn more about that when enrollment opens in September. Awesome. And our three questions for our guests that are hanging in and super excited to hear them. Ashley, what is your superpower? Oh, I love, I'm, I'm like, this is the most exciting part of the whole, the whole conversation. <laughs> um, so I, I was laughing at myself today, thinking about what's my superpower as a facilitator. My typical answer is I always make sure everyone knows each other's names and they know where the bathrooms are. Um, but I, I think I might update my superpower, um, if I may. And I think in light of this conversation, my superpower is being willing to try and experiment and change and, um, embracing the evolution and iteration that comes through that and then helping other people discover how to do that for themselves. What's your purpose? Well, it's very related, actually. My, my purpose is really to share my story and my gifts with the world so that others can find and use their own gifts to create the impact that they desire. What's next for you? Let's see what's next. Well, definitely professionally, what's next is my program. What comes next? It's funny, very similar names. Um, I think personally and, and also professionally, what's next for me, I'm transitioning from a mindset of I own my own business, which was a very difficult sentence for me to say for many years um, and, and moving now towards I'm building a company. And what happens both like strategically, tactically, and like cognitively, what happens in your heart, right? It's a totally different orientation. So I'm navigating that. I'm, I'm building, I'm creating, and I have no idea. <laughs> and also every idea, right? Um, <laughs> so I'm continuing to use my superpower and experimenting every single day. Mm, I'm excited to have you back on um, as that story starts to unfold. Um, I'm in the midst of building a co-founding a company as well. And, uh, and I, I got over the business owner. I remember when I had my first employee and she introduced me to someone as her boss. And I was like, Ooh, I'm not a boss. <laughs> like, uh, I was just such a hard, you know, um, I looked at like my gym is my family and these, you know, these employees, the family, which is just stupid. Don't do that. If you're listening, like learn from my lesson. <laughs> I was her boss, damn it. And she left the garage doors open and she was late all the time. And she told me she didn't respect me. But in that, I will never forget that moment um, of not feeling like the business owner and the boss and like how hard that was. And the thought of, of building a company even though I've employed 20 people before, like it's different. There is a shift in that. And I have no idea how to do this. So I want to learn. <laughs> I can't wait to learn. We're in, from it, you. Together. We're in <laughs> it together. Absolutely. Kindred spirits for sure. Mm, um, I have a fourth question then of, you know, how, what, um, what does it look like for you to step into this process of building a company? 
Oh, good one. Um, the first thought that first answer that comes to mind is a combination of trusting myself and having faith. <sighs> I know that exhale. It's like, that's, that's exactly cool. what's missing. Um, well, and so for me, it's, it's, I shouldn't say it's not, it's not missing. It's that every time I like, there's the overwhelm feeling, like I can feel it rising up of like, I don't trust myself to bring this to fruition. I don't trust myself. This is too hard. Trusting myself just really hit home for me there. I actually have a post-it on my desk. I've got a, a zillion post-its everywhere, but one that says it's a question. Why wouldn't I trust myself? And for me, that has been uh, like kind of a, a regular mantra to return to everything from like, you know, do I know how to run my own business to will I find parking in front of the restaurant? It's like, why wouldn't I trust that I can find a parking spot? Why wouldn't I trust that I'm the right person to design my own business? Right. Um, it's so simple and also so so hard and so transformative. Mm. My brain came up with a thousand reasons why it didn't trust itself. So because <laughs> we talked a little bit about neurodiverse coaching, I feel like maybe my question would be like, what about yourself? Don't you trust? Or maybe that would take me different places. Maybe my question should be, um, what do you need to trust about yourself today? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what I love that. Parts, what are the parts that you do trust? Mm. Right? Even just what do you trust about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Small chips make a pile is currently my mantra. And I continue to say that every single day that we are not, you know, we're Amazon started with selling books. <laughs> start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. I'd like to believe deep down because he didn't have a prenup that Bezos didn't imp imagine that Amazon would be what Amazon is. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Ashley. I always give my guests the last words of wisdom for everyone. So this is your chance to say whatever you'd like to leave our audience with. I appreciate that. This has been so much fun. And I guess what I'd like to leave the audience with is the notion that this, I know this isn't easy. I know this isn't clear cut and it is so worth it. You know, whether whether you are, wherever you are in your life's journey, right? It is never too late to recalibrate. Uh, it is never too late or maybe even too early to say, I know deep down I'm going down a path that I don't want to stay on, right? That expression, you know, the best time to have planted a tree was 20 years ago and the second best time is today. And we, as women, need to take a stand for ourselves and say, this isn't what I want. And actually I'm going to go in search of what I do. And, um, I would love to be of service however I can for anyone who wants a partner in this. Um, but there's, this is, this is our life's work is, is to find, find a, a way forward that we love that aligns with who we are. That's authentic. Um, and that excites us. Oh, that's what's exciting to me at least. Go out and do it. <laughs> Go out and do it. <laughs>